welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Vacaville, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We are so glad and honored that you would join us today, and we pray that this message you're listening to is a blessing to your day. We want to invite you to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service times. We hope to see you at a service or a special event sometime soon. Romans 11 and 33, Paul writes, and he says, Oh, the depth. Oh, the, everybody say the depth. Of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. Everybody say the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. And his ways, everybody say his ways, past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Or who hath been his counselor? Or who hath first given to him? And, and shall it be recompensed or shall it be, shall it be given back unto him again? For of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. Now, we're going to jump down to why 12, 1 and 2 makes sense. Because it's connected to that. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God which is your above and beyond blue ribbon, Congressional Medal of Honor. You went so high above what you were called to do, service. Oh, I must have been quoting the NIV. <laughs> the nearly inspired version, amen. Which is your reasonable. Reasonable means minimal. Minimal. That's when your kid asks you for something extravagant. And they say, but I did my homework. Hey, look, that's reasonable. That's what you were supposed to do. Which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed unto this world. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Here's why all of this is coming to this one point that Paul's making right here. That ye may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. We struggle with finding the will of God so much. Because we have discounted the previous seven verses. And all of those things lead to us finding the will of God. Amen. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Or who hath been his counselor? I want to I talk tonight, teach on this thought, knowing the will of God. 
How many want to know the will of God for your life? Do you get tired of living for God like this? Tired of living for God, laying fleeces before Him for everything. Well, Lord, if it's your will, let, let the fleece be wet and the ground be dry. And then God do it and then go, okay. Well, if it's really your will, let the ground be wet and the fleece be dry. That's not faith. Now, I mean, it takes a measure of faith, I guess, Brother Chase. I mean, you've got to have faith that God could even do that to begin with. But no wonder. No wonder our, our growth is stymied in Christ so much. Because we are constantly asking God to prove himself. To show us just the basics of what we're supposed to do living for him. I don't know about you, but I, I want to walk in a greater level of maturity in 2023 look I'm going to shout and dance in 2023 and hope I don't throw my hip out in the process but but it's not just about shouting and dancing I want to grow into the fullness of what God is calling me to be and the only way I can do that is to know the will of God Amen. Now let's pray together. Jesus, you are so wonderful. You are beyond marvelous and patient with us. Your long-suffering knows no bounds. God, I pray that you would open our understanding tonight. Would you touch us and strengthen us and empower us tonight, Lord, to know your word. Unfold it, O oh God, that we might see Turn up the brightness of revelation that we might comprehend what is that perfect, acceptable will of God in our life. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said amen. As you're seated, tell somebody, I want to know the will of God. Amen. I want to know the will of God. I, and I believe you do. Amen. Now, I began Romans 11 that latter portion because as most of you know now I want to say this and I'm not uh, in any way trying to patronize you at all Uh, but I say this because it's a true statement that I believe that um, this this church is um, more trying to find the right word to where it won't sound like I'm disparaging everybody that don't attend this church because it's not my point but this is a uh, biblically mature congregation and what I mean by that is um, you know how to worship you know how to pray but you, you know your Bible you know uh, and that's a good thing that, that's a really good thing because you can't be bamboozled you know nobody's gonna get up over here and try to pull the wool over your eyes uh, including me because we, we have a um, kind of a uh, not a philosophy but kind of a mandate Though I or another angel from heaven come teaching any other gospel, let him be accursed. If we teach something that's not, if I begin to teach something that's not in this book, number one, pray for me. Number two, what do you do? Run. Run. Don't even look back unless you turn to a pillar of salt. 
Amen. We're not going to teach Christ and him crucified and what this book says. Then, then, then it's of no, and that's why, that's why we've spent so many, so much time over the years being a word-focused church. We're a word-focused church. I, I hear this all the time from guest ministers, and it's one of the highest uh, compliments we receive is they will, they will say, uh, wow, they, they love preaching. That is the easiest church to preach at. I love. Matter of fact, we, we, we brought ministers in here who were going through great personal tragedies in their life and had them preach not because they could give something to us, but because I knew when they got up here, this church was going to minister to them while they ministered the word. And I've seen those, those uh, men and women leave here spiritually healed because of the, the love of the word of God that this church has. Now, we're, we just are extremely blessed because most churches just get to major on one thing. If it's a strong word church, then it's a terrible music church. Or if it's great music church, then it's a really light on the word church. Or if it's a great worship church, and they don't have great prayer. We're very blessed that, that we're a well-rounded church. I, I didn't mean that in the way some of y'all were snickering. I wasn't saying that. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, it's a blessing to be well-rounded. Amen. <laughs> we're a well, well, well-rounded church. In the sense that when it's time to worship, this church knows how to worship. And when it's time to pray, we know how to pray. Amen. When it's, but when it's time to preach, um, this church is a word church. Amen. And, I, I th- and that's by design. That's absolutely intentional and uh, by design. So now that I've said that, I will say some things that are very uh, ele- elementary to you because you'll, you'll have understood this. Maybe uh, some haven't. Uh, here, here's what you don't want to do. You don't want to go to a word dumb church. You know, where you walk in and all of a sudden you're the spiritual savant in that room. That you're the Bible genius when you walk into that room. Uh, I, I want to be around people that challenge my, my understanding of the word of God. That make me want to Kind of not not necessarily think out of the box, but think in the book. And and if you go to the to another church, and and, and really in in any size church of a thousand five hundred, you know whatever, uh, the majority of you would be uh, wor- word giants if you would, because you love the word of God. And I'd like to think that's been put into you. I would love to think that's been put into you from the pulpit that we're word church. Now, I'm saying that to say. That most of you know that your Bible was not written with little numbers beside every verse. And, and you understand it was written letter form. And that um, the Bible is broken down into chapter. And I'm going to be quite honest. Uh, there are times I read it and I, uh, the numbers kind of get in the way. It kind of interrupts the flow of things. But, but God, in, in his wisdom, he allowed this. If, if it would have been sacrilege, God would have stopped it, wouldn't allowed it. But the, uh, the translators did that for our benefit because there's quite a lot to take in. You get to read, and sometimes you're, you're glad, even though there might not be a period, 
it drops down to another chapter because it can get a little overwhelming sometimes because the word of God is, is sharp. Amen. And, and it can even divide asunder the soul and the spirit. And so there's sometimes I'm like, Lord, you carving me up like a Thanksgiving turkey. I just need to, I need to back up a little bit and read something. But that's what his word has the ability to do. Amen. And, and I'm thankful. So, so you understand that it was uh, written in letter form. Brother Garza, I forgot to start my timer tonight. Amen. Um, you're going to be my app tonight. I've been doing that the last several months, and I forgot to do it. Amen. I'm, I'm going to try not to go five hours tonight. Because this is a great subject I'm talking about. Because uh, it's probably the most mysterious thing in everybody's life is the will of God. We're all seeking that will of God, that good, that perfect, and that acceptable will of God. Uh, I'm, on, I, I'm going to, um, in, in my understanding of that, of course, this has no salvation bearing on it. It's my opinion that, that he is narrowing the scope. There's the good will of God, and you're just hitting in the, you're hitting the target, Brother Chase. And that's me. And, you know, and there's Brother Vincent. It's the perfect will of God. And then you got Brother Chase hitting the bullseye at 500 yards with a pistol. And so Paul is, is narrowing down because there, there have been wills of God that we've walked in that accomplished something in us, but it didn't, it didn't accomplish what God wanted to do in us. And so we, we've got we've to narrow that scope a little bit more. And find what is the perfect and acceptable will of God. I don't know why it didn't say good, acceptable, perfect. Actually, if I were to have written the Bible, I would have said acceptable, good, perfect will of God. But seeing that I didn't author the Bible, and that's a good thing um, for everybody, and that Paul did author this particular book and seeing that he was a genius. He knew what he was saying when he didn't, what we would term a grammatic uh, progression to the right direction. I believe what he was saying is there is a good will of God for your life. There is the perfect will of God for your life. And then there is the will of God that is acceptable. Because because sometimes we want the good and the perfect, but we're not willing to accept some wills of God for our life. All right? And so, uh, but put on your hip waders tonight. We're not splashing in the kiddie pool, okay, as, as you, if you can tell. We're going we're gonna to dive into the Word. So I'm glad you're a Word church, because if I were in 98% of churches, I'd have lost them by now, unless I started stomping and screaming or getting the keyboard drums whipped up behind me we've got to we, we first of all to to understand the will of God for my life does not mean I have to understand the ways of God see you're trying to figure out the why but here's the thing God don't give you why 
He gives you direction. He says, go do it. Why? You're going to waste a lot of time, Bubba. I can hold you there until you just surrender. We want that will of God, but we want the instructions. You, you, you get the instructions for how to uh, put something together, which you know I'm notorious for not being able to do well. Anything I've put together has Gorilla Glue and duct tape on it. And many leftover parts. <laughs> the instructions will say take part C and insert it into part X3Y, turning counterclockwise, although it has a Phillips screw head, use a flat head, open your mouth, stick out your tongue at a right angle, breathe heavily, don't bite down. I want to know the, oftentimes the why, but the instructions don't tell me the why, it just tells me the what. This is what you're supposed to do. The why is not described in every step. The why is described only in the finished product. How many of you have ever put something together and you looked at the pieces and you said, why do they do this? And you're putting it in there and you... And, and it doesn't even make, but when you finally get that bookshelf or that chair put together, you look at it and go, that's why. I, I'm telling you, I'm using that simple illustration to say, we spend most of our walk with God asking him to explain himself when he is saying, just do what I've said, do You'll understand it better by and by when the morning comes. You're not going to understand every valley now. You're not going to understand every bit of betrayal and all the heartache and the pain. You're not going to understand sickness just when you were hitting your stride. You're not going to understand a, 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 a relationship or a friend or someone you love betraying you just when you thought everything was peaches and cream. You're not going to figure all that. But on the other side of that, when you become that, that what God is calling you to be, then you will finally begin to understand but you don't need to understand the why. We just need to learn the what. And if we can get confident in the what of God, that is the will of God, maybe we will put more faith and emphasis on obedience rather than confrontation with God. Am I doing all right tonight? I'm not, I haven't screamed yet. Give me a minute. Oh, they brought me a towel. I'll start sweating and screaming in a minute. Y'all just hold on. I get to that point and you go, oh, he's anointed tonight. I, there's anointing right now just, 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 just like this. God is, God is wanting you to understand that we must be willing to obey. Now, I'm going to talk about sacrifice in just a moment. But there is a degree in God that is greater than sacrifice, and that is obedience. Now, one of these days, we'll no longer have sacrificial Sunday. We'll have obedient Sunday. Now, let's be honest, and, and let's just be honest. Now, don't, don't turn around and look at anybody because you're going to give it away. 
let's be honest. When God starts putting a number in our heart, or if you've been like me before, you wrote, wrote down what you thought it was, and then God says, uh-uh. It's a sacrifice. Not because you don't, you may not even have it all at the time, but you realize all the things it could have went for. And so you're not battling with whether or not it will bless the kingdom. We battle with what I'm going to lose until God makes up for it. If and when. Right? Now, Simon Peter, am I doing okay tonight? Simon Peter dealt with this thing. I like Simon Peter. I can relate to that joker. I mean... He did some things sometimes I go, oh, that's, that's Wisnet-esque. <laughs> you know, he'll just do some, I wish I could say, boy, I, I, Paul reminds me a lot of myself. But, I'm, you know, he was a genius and, and I'm on the other end of that stick. So, <laughs> the Lord had just talked, to, uh, told the rich young ruler to sell all he has and, you know, if he wants eternal life. And, by the way, it was the only person he told to do that. See, Jesus knew what his struggle was going to be. And, and, and so he walks away sorrowful because the Bible said he had much possessions. And Jesus just kind of goes, you know, it's easier for a big old fat camel to go through an eye of a needle than it would be for a rich man. Now, notice he didn't say impossible. He said it would be easier for for big old hamel, a camel to go through an eye of a needle than it would be for a rich man to go to heaven. And then Simon Peter went, hold on a minute. I'm a rich man. Why do you think Peter spoke up? He said, wait a minute. I've given everything I own. I gave up my fishing business. I gave up my 401k. I gave up my house on the beach. I gave, Lord, I gave up. Listen, you go study it out. The, Jesus didn't go find a bunch of bums. These were very driven, very successful men. To own a ship as a fisherman and it to be yours in that time denoted great wealth. And the fact that Simon Peter had multiple ships said he was a very wealthy man. And he, and he said, I got, an issue. I got a bone to pick with you on this one, Jesus. He said, I've given up everything. I, what do you mean? What are you talking about? And Jesus spins around, and man, he gets right in the face of Simon Peter. He said, there is no one that has given unto the kingdom of God that I will not return it unto them 100 times in this life and in the life to come. Now, here's what he didn't say, Brother Chase, unless he did, and I missed it. He didn't say, you'll get 70% in this life and 30 in the next life. He didn't say, you'll get 1% in this life and 99%. He never put a measurement on that. He just said this, you're never going to give to my kingdom and me be a debtor to you. I'll give it back a hundred times. And I don't, think, I don't think it was that you could write it down and then start calculating a hundred times. I, 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 think, I think the term there uh, literally means that it's immeasurable what you're going to receive back. So, so Jesus is trying to let him know 
that um, you're, if you will obey me, if you'll just, with a simple act of obedience, I'm going to bless you beyond me. Now, I'm not talking about money tonight. Now, the second half of this, I'm going to talk about Ephesians and, and let God, we're going to talk about the, the other will of God, not, not a backup plan of God, but the will of God as in the will and testament of God for us as believers. We'll get into that later. Now, I'm really bummed we can't do it next week because we got uh, uh, our thing where we go to classes, and then we got Sunday of sacrifice, and then next week we'll probably pick it up, the Lord willing. But to understand the will of God for our life takes obedience. And, and obedience is not a substitute for faith because to obey You've got to have some measure of faith. So you can't say, well, I don't believe, but I'll obey. But if you're going to obey, you've got some level of belief in there. And when I say seeking the will of God and, and, and knowing the will of God for your life, I am not talking about those things that are so clearly not the will of God. Sometimes the will of God is just a process of elimination. You got more bills than you got money. You're standing in line, you know, at, at Travis Credit Union, and you're standing there with your deposit knowing you're not going to pay the bills. And, Lord, if you don't want me to rob this bank, then sh show me that it's not your will. It's so clearly not the will of God to rob that bank. You're not Jesse James or Frank James. They're laughing. I don't think they know who they, that is. <laughs> Amen. Lord, we are doing a disservice. <laughs> Frank and Jesse, the famous James brothers that robbed banks all through the South and Midwest. And uh, you don't have to pray, God, if it's not your will for me to rob a bank, let a you know, safe of unlocked full of gold coins fall out into my front yard. It's so obviously not the will of God for you to rob a bank. And if you do, don't say, well, I thought it was God's will. Because <laughs> that's so clearly not the will of God, okay? Um, you know, Lord, if it's not your will, you know, Lord, I need to know, is it your will that, that I flirt back? Then, you know... Lord, just take the desire from me. You, re you really want that? Your spouse is probably going to be ticked if he does. Because it's not the will of God. You Well, Lord, but I'll tell you what. If you really got to know, go home and ask your wife. Don't pray. Just ask your wife. Hey, this chick at work, you know, she's been bumping up against me, winking, you know, giving me, you know, free coffee in the morning. Your wife won't even have to pray. She's going to leave a mark of five across your face for the next three days. <laughs> Amen. You know, right? Those are things that's so, so obvious that you don't need to pray about. God, if you don't want me to backhand my boss in the mouth, I need you right now to step in. Let the angels of Heaven move into this place. Stop me like you stopped Abraham. Because I'm, if it's your will. And, 
<laughs> and they may have earned a good knuckle sandwich. But it ain't the will of God for you to serve it up. It's so obviously not the will of God. Finding the will of God, and I have to be somewhat facetious to, to show you what the will of God is not on a macro level, to show you what the will of God could be on a micro or an individual level. Now that was easy. That was easy. But when we start praying about personal things, Lord, I need to know your will about this situation. Now, I, I have people, and I always want you to come and, and ask me to pray with you because I will pray with you and I will sincerely pray with you for whatever God's will is. But I will, I will tell you something. It will be very rare that I will tell you, yes, that's the will of God. No, that's not the will of God. And, and unless, unless it's clearly spoken to me. And I'm going to tell you why. Because if you come to me and say, Pastor, they got this new job opportunity, and I just, oh, I really want it. Would you pray and tell me whether or not it's the will of God? And I come back to you, and I pray about it, and I don't really feel anything, but see, you're excited. Now, you know what? I, you know what? I think it's, and maybe I sincerely feel like it'd be the will of God. You get that job, and three months later, it is hell on earth for you. You're not going to blame God. You're going to blame the big dummy that told you that. That's why people say, Pastor, pray if it's the will of God that I marry that person. Oh, <laughs> I ain't getting in that one. I ain't, I ain't step. Now, if it's pretty obvious it's not, I'll let you know. Because if I say, you know what? I think you're a match made in heaven. You know what happens? Inevitably, the first big fight, my phone rings. You said it was the will of God. I hate this person. I can't believe I wasn't even going to marry him. I wasn't even going to walk down the aisle. But all I could hear in my mind was my pastor saying, yes, it's the will of God. You go ahead and marry him. I'm going to choke him. I'm going to kill him. I'm going to stab him. I can't. Right? We've got to learn to know the will of God. The will of God for your life, let, 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 me, let, me, let me say it like this. The will of God for your life is not hidden in my office in a lockbox that only I've got a key to. The will of God for your life can be known by you. Now, the why for the will is going to be very ambiguous, but the will of God is going to be very clear. Now, sometimes it's not. Sometimes the will of God for our life is not clear until we made a decision by faith. And then we look back and go, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I followed the leading of the Spirit in this direction. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. This is why we've got to stay filled with the Holy Ghost. Because the Holy Ghost is going to guide you. The Holy Ghost is not going to drive you. It's not going to force you. It's not going to push you. God's not going to force you to do anything. We were um, in Alexandria last week, and we rented a, uh, an, an SUV. And, man, these things are kind of scary now. And, and I didn't know it. It would have been nice to have a warning because uh, now they don't, have ju they don't just beep anymore. 
like when you're about to hit something, they vibrate the seat. I didn't know. I'm going to be a little honest with you. Um, that's kind of a sensitive area to be hitting that hard. And when I'm backing up, and that seat on the right side goes, I thought I was getting electrocuted. You ask my wife, I say, oh my God. I almost wrecked because I didn't know what was happening. And she goes, what's wrong? I said, something. And she goes, well, you're about to, there's a car right there. And I said, okay. So I pull forward and I back up again. This time there was another coming. It hits me on this side. It was a gentle reminder of all places to zap me on my hips. Like I could take it on the elbow or the hand, but why not? I'm telling you, it, it scared me. That was, it was not a comfortable sensation. But it was letting me know you need to watch this side. You need to watch this side. It was, it was guiding me, albeit in a very uncomfortable manner, to be cautious about the area I was in in that part of my life. Then, then when we got on the highway, it did this, um, I don't know what they call it, like lane secure or whatever. And, and so if you start drifting, it'll jerk the wheel back. And it's, not, and it's not gentle. It's not like it goes, ding dong, ding dong. We are now moving you back to the center of the lane. Please hold. It doesn't do that. It just goes, <clears throat> it pulls you over. Maybe some of your vehicles have that. I'm going to tell you, it was making me mad. Because when I change lanes on the interstate, you know, I'm not going to put on my blinker and then yank over there. You know, I might turn on my blinker. And I'm just going to be honest. If there's nobody near me, I'm not turning the blinker on. You know how much energy it takes to flick my pinky like that. And, and because you don't turn on your blinker and you just start easing over, it thinks that you are falling asleep. And so it grabs a wheel and it jerks you back. And it's, your seat starts vibrating. <laughs> I got, I'm going to tell you, I got so upset with that thing. We, we were only about 35, 40 minutes out of Alec. And I pulled into a, a, a Phillips 66 gas station because I knew there in Oakdale, I knew they had community coffee. And I mean, Phillips 66 community coffee was the will of God. Angels were singing above the room. And so I just, I, I turned on the blinker and I whipped in there. And my wife goes, you, you already need to stop. We just left the airport about 40 minutes ago. I said, babe, I'm going in there to get some coffee. See if you can find this computer and turn it off. I can't, I can't keep going like this. And I went in there and got in there, and my sweet wife, smart wife, she got she turned off that deal where it did that, and she turned off there when we zip, 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 and she turned all that stuff. I don't know how she did it, but I was having a whole lot better time driving to Lake Charles uh, than I was leaving the airport. Now, I said that to say, you've got to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost because the Holy Ghost is not going to grab you by the throat and say no. It's going to go zip, zip. And what it's doing you for you is it's trying to teach you to follow after the will of God in your life. Okay? I, I, I wish I could explain it more deep than that and more profound. But it starts in the very simplistic ways of when you first start serving God. You remember when you first got the Holy Ghost? 
Remember that? How all of a sudden, when you got the Holy Ghost and you were baptized, all of a sudden, things that you had done just hours before, for some unexplicable reason, you weren't comfortable doing those things. Do do you remember that? I've known of people who were never sat down with a list and said, okay, you got the Holy Ghost, you got baptized, okay. Now, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this, you can't do that, got to do this, got to do that, can't go there, can't see that, can't do that, can't do that, can't do that, got to do this, got to do that. They just walked out of the Holy Ghost, you know, the church getting the Holy Ghost, and they went home, pulled open the fridge, and reached to grab a hold of something, something went, "Mm, mm, don't, don't do that. And they didn't know what was wrong. And, and they called me or they called the pastor. They called brother in the church, that sister in the church that brought him and said, you know, I was, let me ask you something. You think there's something wrong with this? Because I, I, I was just about to pop the top on the 40. And I, all of a sudden, something in me just, I don't want to feel right about that. And that's the Holy Ghost going. It's not going to slap it out of your hand. I, don't, I can't tell you how many times I've seen them get filled with the Holy Ghost, go to the parking lot and, put one, and start lighting up, and all of a sudden they get this feeling like they don't know anything about church. They don't know anything about God or the Holy Ghost or, or, or conviction or anything. But all of a sudden they go to do it, and, 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 and I've seen them walk back in the building and go, you know, is there something wrong with this? Because I just don't feel, I, kinda, I feel unclean. I've had come back after getting the Holy Ghost and saying, um, you know, I was watching some stuff that I just felt gross. Say, so, well, the Holy Ghost never made me feel that way. Then I would question. Because if you've got the Holy Ghost, the Bible says it'll lead and guide into all truth. It's not going to stop you. but it'll guide you. And so there's some things in my life that I don't do, not because they're a sin, but because they're attached to a current that could pull me toward. God told, what time is it? How long have I been going? 25 minutes. I got another hour and a half. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I won't do that. God shows up, and I know most of you know this, because again, it's very well versed, very well versed in Scripture, but God creates, creates the garden, then he creates the man for the garden. The man is Adam or Adam, and he goes to uh, Adam, and he says, uh, look, I created all of this for you. I talked a little bit about this on Sunday. And what a coinkydink, talking about it tonight, almost as if God knows what he's doing. And he says to Adam, now this this whole garden's yours. You can have it. Just don't, 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 don't you eat of that tree in the middle. That, that's my tree. You, you can't have that. Knowledge of good and evil. You can't eat of that tree. Adam gets lonely like men do. And God says, you know, and he goes to sleep. Out of his side, he pulls out a rib. From that rib, he formed a woman. I mean, I bet God can do some pretty awesome balloon animals if he can do that with a rib, you know. <laughs> So he <laughs> he takes a rib. Adam's in a coma. He wakes up and he sees Eve. And his heart went thumpity thump thump thumpity thump thump thump. He said, "Whoa, man!" 
which is where we get the word woman. Well, man. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's not where we, don't go trying to, that's just, it's a joke, okay. He's a, whoa. And basically, God, God let Adam know what I told you, now you tell her, because it's the order of creation. And Adam sits down with his new wife. He's just like, goo-goo-eyes. Oh. We've been this way for ever since men. <laughs> I don't know how long it took for him to get words out. And he says, now, you see all this, baby? God made this for us. This is paradise. Don't ask me how I know, but I know. So we can have anything we want here. Except that tree in the middle. That belongs to God. That's his. God said, you can't touch that tree. But actually, that's not what God said. God said, don't eat the tree. But Adam said to his wife, because he loved her, not because he was a male chauvinist pig, because he loved her, he thought to himself, self, if we can't eat this fruit, we probably shouldn't be touching this fruit. So God's command was, don't eat it. Adam's instruction was, don't touch it. So there may be some things that we teach upon the authority of God's word as a don't touch. But the Bible says, don't taste. It makes it right because we are building a perimeter of safety. And there may be some things that just don't spell out the exact cross T and dotted I, but the spirit of it is in the word of God. And you'll know it because the Holy Ghost will begin to teach you the will of God. If it brings shame to do it, to say it, to go there, to wear it, if it brings shame, it ain't from God. The Holy Ghost is, you say, well, then I, well, I can, I can go to the bar and snort cocaine and I don't feel shame. Well, then you're lost as a one-winged goose in a hurricane. You, 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 I'd be worried that your conscience is seared with a hot iron at that point. But the Holy Ghost will nudge you. You'll get in environments and you'll think, oh, boy, something is off with this place. You don't even know what it is. You know what that is? That's the Holy Ghost. He's going, zzz, zzz, zzz. Last year, Brother uh, uh, Roberto and I were at the Spanish conference in Reno. Then, of course, everything in Reno is a casino. Maybe that's why they named it Reno. And so we go to the Spanish conference and we're staying at the, uh, the, the, um, the pepper mill because he was there doing the media for it. And so I told Brother Roberto, I said, uh, he wanted to get to the conference early because, you know, he wanted to go see all the stuff they had to see there at the conference. That was great. And so he texted me, church started at 7. He texted me like 8 o'clock. 
Pastor, I don't see you. Where are you at? I said, I'm still getting dressed. They won't get to preach on the floor till 10 o'clock. <laughs> Have you ever been to a Spanish conference? You know I'm telling the gospel truth. <laughs> By the time I got there at 9.15, they had just started doing the announcements. I didn't miss anything. And so, <laughs> and so after church, nothing is open. You know, nothing's open because you don't get out of church till like 11.30. And so Brother Roberto was hungry. I wasn't hungry. I was so in the spirit. I didn't even need to eat anymore. <laughs> I was so just filled with the presence of the Lord. I did hunger. I had meat that, you know, not, I'm just kidding. I was starving. All right. I was, I was hungry. And so we were like, where are we going to go eat? Everything's closed. And so we get back to the hotel casino. I walk up to the concierge who's right there in the front. And I said, y'all, y'all got any, uh, anything to eat around here that's open right now? He goes, well, there's really only one thing in this whole area of town that's open. He said, and of course, you know, you got to park and then hike five miles unless you want to pay them like $30 a night. And listen, mama didn't raise a fool. I can walk. And so, but, but I didn't want to walk another 10 miles to go get my car, just go drive through and then you get the point. And so I said, well, what do you get? They said, well, we got a really good restaurant, right? It's, it's on the other side. And I said, Oh, other side of what? And they said, of the floor. And I said, oh, okay. And they said, so, I said, so how do I get there? And they said, well, you go all the way across the floor. You get what the floor is, right? And it's just game. I, I mean, just as far as the eye can see. And they said, when you get to the back wall, hang a left. And you're going to go about halfway across that, that portion of the casino. And then you're going to see a, a, a sign, but it's not a big sign. Then you make it right. And when you make a right, go all the way across that. And you go, it's like, my Lord, do I need to catch a flight? It'd be a whole lot quicker. <laughs> and so we're walking. I'm talking about knowing the will of God. I want you to watch how God will work in you. And we're walking across the floor. And, I, and, and honestly, I'm sitting there, brother, guys, I'm walking through going, I just know somebody's going to snap a picture and put it on Facebook. <laughs> I saw Pastor Wisnett at the casino. I saw, and you know what I would say? You better believe it. We're raising money for a church, and I'll do anything I got to do. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I wouldn't do that. But I'm walking through there. <laughs> but I'm walking through there, and I'm talking to Brother Roberto, and we're talking. You know, and I'm talking because I'm looking at this stuff, and I can't help it. I try not to be a critical person. I'm asking. I'm really praying God to help my spirit. And I'm going to, by the way, I'm going to teach on that in the next few weeks. And God, something, something the Lord showed me. And I'm walking and I'm talking about it because I don't want to look at the people because I, I feel sorry for the people that sit there like hamsters hitting a feeding bar. <laughs> pulling on the one-armed bandit, just shoving their hard-earned money in there, maxing out their credit cards. And I want to go, you are such a dummy. I want to, I want to say that to them. How stupid are you? Well, I won some money. Well, when you factor in how much you had to lose to win, you lost. There's a reason alcohol's free on the casino floor. Because they want to keep giving you stupid juice. Because it lowers your ability to say, I, I might not I'd use my kid's college fund on this one. I might not I'd use my, uh, you know, my, my truck payment on this one. And they're just sitting there. And, I, and, and Brother Roberto looked at me. He's only been in the church, you know, now three years. March will be three. And he looks at me and he goes, he said, Pastor, I just kind of feel gross. I've never stood in the pulpit and said, well, saith the Lord, thou shalt not go to it. I've never said that. He said, I feel gross. He goes, 
He says, what is this? Why am I feeling like this? I said, because you're surrounded. You're surrounded by sin. And I said, and if you didn't feel this way, something would be off. And we sat down and got to have a good, you know what that was? In his young walk with God, that was the Holy Ghost going. Hey, I'm going to be honest with you. Can I just be transparent with you for a moment? Good, I was going to do it anyway. I'm going to be very transparent. I'm going to be very honest. I've walked into, Sister Strickland, I've walked into churches and the Holy Ghost goes, get out of there, get out of there, get out of there. I've sat around Christian people and when their mouth opened, the Holy Ghost goes, I've gotten into conversations and the Holy Ghost is yanking the wheel and I'm over there going, Jesus, take the wheel. Because it's trying to get me out of that conversation. Are y'all with me? I'm talking about knowing the will of the will of God is not difficult to discern if you can follow His Spirit. If you can be sensitive enough. I'm sorry. I, I, I wish you know. I wish I had some little three-step plan. You know that if you do the hokey pokey and you turn yourself around, that's what it's all about. I don't got that. It's this simple. You have. To stay filled with the Holy Ghost. Who can know the mind of God? How unsearchable are his ways. But his will is knowable. And I don't get his will based on how much I jump or shout or dance or speak with tongues. No, I find his will. Let me tell you how you find his will. That's what the, the latter, that was the last five, four verses, five verses of chapter 11 was about, was about how pretty complicated God is. Right? Then we jump over and he's in that same thought. So you're going you to know the will of God. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, not the world. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. That, that word beseech means I plead with you. I earnestly plead with you. I implore you. The, 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 the word picture there, if Paul would have been saying that person to person, he'd have had red, he'd have had red face and veins popping out of his head. I beg you, present your body to the Lord as a living sacrifice. Now, for something to be deemed a sacrifice, it's got to be dead. For something to be considered a sacrifice, it's got to be dead. He said, present your bodies to the Lord a living death. That doesn't mean you're zombies. It doesn't mean you go home and commit suicides. No, he's talking about. He's giving you, he's giving me the key for how I can know, sis, what the will of God is for my life. And I can pray till I get calluses on my knee. I can dance until I get ingrown toenails, I can shout until my tonsils fly out my throat. But getting, knowing the will of God, 
comes through the channel of living dead. I wish it was deeper than that. He just talked about knowing the mysteries of God, the mind of God, the ways of God, they're unsearchable, you know, all of this. Then he jumps in, now, finally, I I implore you, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, that means separate. Your body's holy. Well, it's my body. Well, then you're not the Lord's. If I get an attitude and say, well, it's my body, I'm going to do what I want to do, then God says, you know, you got free will, I gave it to you, you go right ahead, but you're not mine. God's not going to take a vote. God's not going to sit down and say, you know what, you're a pretty all right dude. Armando, I'm going to ask you, you know, for all these other people, yeah, I don't have to do it, but you? I'll tell you what, what, what can we, uh, let's see, what are some things you struggle with, and we'll come to a common agreement there. God's not going to do that. What's good for you is good for me. Me for you. It's good for you. Okay. I'll, I'll, you know what? If it helps, I'll start screaming in just a minute. We can shout and all that stuff. <laughs> Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Put that scripture up there if you would. Romans 12.1. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy. Because Our bodies are not even considered holy or acceptable until we've surrendered them on the altar. Listen to me. Fire will never fall on an empty altar. You want the fire and the power of God and all that stuff? Something's got to be on the altar. And God don't just want your feet. And he don't just want your tongue. He wants all of you. Go ahead and grab it by the hair of the head and pull it up on the altar and say, no, no, you stay right there. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto. But my friends won't accept it. But they're not supposed to. Well, my family thinks it's weird. Well, other believers think it's strange. I'm not, I can't live for them. I can't live for him. The only one I need to accept my sacrifice is him. I love you, but I could give a flying rip what you think about my sacrifice. My sacrifice is to him. Christ embodied in himself that which we are to duplicate on Calvary when he gave his body as a living sacrifice, the lamb slain from the foundations of the world, the lamb that taketh away the sins of the world, the lamb of God, amen, God eternal robed in the flesh when he allowed himself to be nailed to that cross and he gave up his body to be broken and beaten, amen, and to be chastised and tormented and tortured on that cross. 
cross. He did that as an example. Not that we would have to physically do that ourselves and be beaten and all of that stuff. But for the fact that we would look at the example of Calvary and say, if he did that to give me life, then I'm, if any man will follow after me, let him first deny himself, then take up his, the problem is so many of us are trying to carry crosses when we've not yet denied ourselves. Self-denial is the first step to following Jesus. If I'm going to find and know the will of God for my life, I've got to look at self and deny it. That's a problem we got in America right now, in the American church. We don't deny ourselves enough. We oh, I, God wants me to have it. God, oh, surely, God, oh, God wants me to be blessed. God wants me to have that. God don't care. And God's looking at you going, no, I don't. Yes, I do. We don't know what self-denial is. And we'll, we'll max out credit cards to make ourselves feel good. We, we'll jeopardize the future of our children to make ourselves feel good. We just want what God wants me to be blessed. And, and you go try. But God said, if you're going to follow me, you got to first deny self. That means when self wants something opposing God's will, you say no to self, not God. It's not easy. Look, I knew we weren't going to run the aisles over this. And I knew it. I knew it. That's not easy to look at self and say, I want it. And God says, you can't have it. And then go, okay, God, well, I'll meet you halfway. Jesus said, if you, do you want to know the will of God? You got to say no to self. Take up your cross. Follow the example of Jesus. Amen. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. And that is your minimum service. Some people never get over that part. There's glory when you go beyond that. Then he says, and be not conformed unto this world. But be you transformed. By the renewing of your. That's why we got to be careful what we see, what we say, what we do, where we go. Well, I don't know about that, Pastor. All these other churches, they don't talk. They don't have that. I, I can't help that. I, I only know what God's word says. I'm not going to go, try to go to heaven on a technicality. I, I, I don't come from a, a lineage of preachers. I'm the only preacher uh, in my family. Uh, now, my great aunt Sue, she was, a, she, we called her a Bible teacher because back then, you know, especially there, they didn't believe in women preachers. Now they've changed, you know. And so she would get up and testify for 45 minutes every once in a while. And, and I believe in women preachers, and we're raising up women preachers, and I thank God for it. And, and, but she would say, she would say something she, all, all the time, and, and you've heard me say this. You'll probably be able to finish this statement. And if you were, she would talk about living sacrificially to the Lord and all this. And, she, and she'd say, if I get to heaven and find out some of this wasn't necessary, that's all right with me. She said, because I'd rather get to heaven with a wheelbarrow too much than a teaspoon too little. Say, well, that, I don't believe in that kind of a God that would reject somebody for not having, for just having a, spe- t- well, well, look at what Jesus said. Don't take my word for it. He said, I'm going to look at your garment. Yes. Yes. 
And if I see Chick-fil-A stains on that garment. If I, matter of fact, if I see a wrinkle on that garment. Am I still in the same book you got? He's coming for a bride without spot and without wrinkle. He is coming back for a bride that has chastened herself. That means she has separated herself. That means she has said, no, I'm not on the market. I'm not available. You just keep on shopping. I have given myself completely, wholly, totally, fully committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I am presenting myself to him holy and acceptable unto him. And then... The only way I can truly be trained to, to be holy and acceptable is not to be conformed to this world. And the way I'm not conformed to this world is to be transformed by renewing my mind. If I don't renew my mind, I'm going to start being transformed into this world. And I don't want to be trans anything. Transformed. Amen. Transmitted. I want to be in the image that God is calling me to be in. He said, don't be conformed. I'm, I'm, you want to know the will of God? I'm going to the will of God. We, we, I know what we want because I want it. Just tell me what's the will of God for my life. I'll hold my breath and I'll pat my right foot and I'll hum. And you just tell me what the will of God. It's not how it works. Present your body a living. So many people cannot find, and this is not indicative of everybody that's struggling to find the will of God. Please don't misunderstand me. But so many people struggle to live in a consistent will of God in their life because they've never put themselves on the altar holy. And he said, be transformed. Don't be conformed to this world. Don't be conformed. That means don't take on the shape of this world. Don't take on the ideology of this world. Don't take on, that's literally what it means, the philosophy of this world. Be not conformed unto this world. That word world does not mean cosmos, which is the Greek word for earth or, or the world. The word world, the word world there is the translation that means the time or the age of this world. Do not be conformed to the philosophy, the ideology, and the ways of, don't you let worldish views get into the word of God in your walk with God. Don't walk in the path of God with world-souled shoes. Amen. You've got to walk after the will of God and the purpose of God completely conformed. Amen. To the Word of God. Amen. If I'm going to get closer to get closer to God, i got to get further from the world. And if I get closer to the world, I'm getting further from God. I can't hold on to both of them. I can't have one foot in each camp. I can't be a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Amen. Remember, I've told you all... How many times have I told you there's three that you can't kind to be? Amen. You're never going to be kind to skinny. You're never going to be kind to married. And you're never going to be kind to saved. Now watch this. Be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. The Bible says that we are saved by the washing and the regenerating of our mind. That means you got to take the word of God and you got to wash it. I remember grandma had live soap. It'd take the skin off of you. We got to play in the mud and you had to get that live soap. I'm telling you what, it, it would take the stink off a skunk. 
you got to get in the word of God. And you got to say, okay, God, wash my mind. Wash my mind. I, I can't, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to think like this world. I, I, I'm starting to be sympathetic to them. I'm starting to desire things. I've got to be transformed. I cannot be conformed to this world, but it be transformed by the renewing of my mind. Because if I do that, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to close, and if I do that, then I may be able to prove that which is the good, perfect, and acceptable will of God. You can pray till your tongue falls out. But if we're not living submitted to the Lord, we're not going to know the will of God. We've got to get rid of our Burger King mentality of God. My way right away. Hey, it's God's way or it's no way. I, I'm sorry. I know this is a message that fit 50 years ago, but don't really belong in the postmodern church. But I'm going to keep preaching what the Word says. For me to know the will of God, I've got to do what conforms to His Word. And not to my desire. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something. Flesh is so deceitful. It can convince you that sin is God's will. I said sin. That your flesh can deceive you enough. That you will think that things that God abhors. Will be the things that please God. There was a, a big uh, televangelist uh, TV guy down in SoCal. And uh, he was so convinced that God didn't want him with his wife anymore. It's a true story. I think it was happening in, in 1999 or in 2000. And he walked off the platform in front of his church. And he pointed at his wife and said, I have a spirit of prophecy. The Lord has separated my union from you and said, I am to marry her and pointed at another woman. I'm going to tell you something. Now, if I did that, this place would empty out. Because this is the sheep of his pasture. But when it's a bunch of goats... And they stuck with it. Said, oh, this, ooh, okay, ooh, well. The prophet said it. He wasn't prophesying, he was prophet lying. He said, well, that's obvious. It's not the will of God. It deceived so many people. Had somebody lived holy, had somebody not let their mind be conformed to the thinking of the world, they would have stood up on that deacon board. They'd have stood up on the ministry and said, uh-uh, this is not going to happen. This is not right. Now, I use an extreme example. Your flesh can convince you that what you want, what you desire, is what God wants for your life. 
How many times have I seen people get into relationships? And I'm not just talking about relationships of romance. I'm talking about all kinds of relationships that God didn't want them into, but because they wanted into it. They got into it, and they overstepped the will of God to let their flesh conjure up to them some reason why God would find it acceptable. How many people do I know that took jobs that were so clearly not the will of God, but they stepped over it because they thought they wanted it, and they were going to make it happen? How many times have I seen people get into homes they couldn't afford cars they couldn't afford get into all kinds of situations they couldn't get themselves out of because their flesh wanted it so bad and they had been so long without putting themselves on the altar denying themselves living holy and acceptable unto God and then when it all blew up in their face then they begin to they begin to even reject God do you want to know the will of God be full of the Holy Ghost. Live holy and acceptable unto God. Don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed. Was this okay tonight? I know it wasn't profound. It's, I, this ain't the best Bible lesson I ever taught. I get it. It's simple. But if we're going to know the will of God, don't even, if you're praying for the will of God, but you're not living right, you're not going to find it. You might as well just throw a knife in the air and hope one end sticks and go off based off that. At least you got a 50% chance. To know the will of God. I want the acceptable will of God for my life. I want the good, perfect, and acceptable will of God for my life. And the only way I get it is by saying no to self and yes to God. Brother Lucas, come give us some hope. Now, the problem is we don't, in our culture, we, we've made the word no a four-letter word. I, uh, you, you can't say yes to everything. You can't say yes to everything. I talked about this last night. You've got to learn that the value of your yes is based on the power of your no. Just let that marinate for a minute. You, you, my wife tells me all the time, and, and I'm using this example, she says, babe, your, your heart is so much bigger than your head. And that's her way of saying, sometimes you don't think here, you think with your heart. Because I have overextended myself more than a few times trying to help people. Trying to help be a blessing to people. When if I'd have just stepped back and logically thought about it, I realized I didn't really help anybody in the situation. Perfect example, every time we used to go on vacation, I'd be on vacation. We'd go on vacation for a week, three or four nights out of that week, I'd be preaching somewhere. Because I'd get in it. We wouldn't tell anybody where we're going. People find out we're in the area. And this is a blessing. I think it's a wonderful thing. You know, it's, a, it's an honor. They call and say, hey, Pastor Wisner, I, I just saw you're in the area. Oh, we desperately need a word from God. I believe God has sent you here for this season. Can you come over and be with us tonight in service? And it's like, uh, sure. And, and I, I was, of course, go there and preach in their church, be blessed, whatever. 
And I, I, I don't want you to take this the wrong way. Please don't take this the wrong way. But then my wife, after years of doing this, my wife looked at me one time and she said, I'm not going on vacation with you if you're just going to keep preaching all the time. She said, because we lose you. We don't even get to have vacation with you. Because you're in there praying and studying. And, and we, we, might, we might be out at, the, at, 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 a, at a theme park or something, but your, your head's in the clouds. You're still trying to find God. And she said, you know what? And she wasn't being mean. My wife's not like that. She said, that's not fair to us. When we want time with you. I said, well, babe, you know, I just, I can't help it. They're church planners. This, you know, this pastor, they're, this church going through some stuff. I just want to be a blessing. Your heart's bigger than your head sometimes. So, I remember the, one a few years ago, we were going on this First time we were going to take a two-week vacation. Thank God for Brother Chase and you guys. You're like, go take two weeks and get out of town and just go be refreshed. And I'm packing the suitcase the night before because that's the way I roll. And I'm packing my suit and my and, and I and I went into another room and I came back in and oh thank God for a good wife. My wife is reaching in the suitcase. She's just pulling stuff out. <laughs> she did. She is pulling. I said, hey, I may need that. She says, what are you going to need a suit for? I said, well, what if somebody dies? We'll get you a new suit. <laughs> I'm, you think I'm joking? Yeah. She started pulling stuff out. Okay, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to accept anywhere to preach. But if you got that in your suitcase, you will. She started pulling out slacks. There's the slacks. You're not taking slacks. You're not taking any hard leather sold shoes unless there's your boots. That's it. Because she knows me. I've done that before. I ain't going to take an invitation. I'm not. I promise. You know, I'm not going to do it. And then get a phone call in the middle of vacation. Somebody call, cry. You're in there. You're, you're, we really need God to move. And would you please come? It's such the will of God for you to come. And my heart's just breaking for him. And I want to help him. And I have to look at my wife and go, I know we have plans tomorrow. But this pastor called. And they're really going through it. And it's not that far. It's only 180 miles one way. But we're, we'll make a day of it. It'll be great. You don't have to go. Right? My head gets bigger than my heart. And, and uh, so I, I have to learn to say no. And that's not an easy thing for me. Matter of fact, toward middle last year, something I told Brother Garza, I said, and I've never wanted to be this guy. I've always had it. I just never wanted to be this guy, but I had to have Brother Garza last year. I stepped down and said, would you help me? Would you, would you just take my calendar and I could just point people to you and you, you know, when they call and say, can you come preach this? Because it's a lot easier for him to say no than me to say no. Because I'll just say yes to everybody. And, and I said, you know what? If I start just not knowing it, and I said, you know, then I'm going to, look, God's called me. God's called me here. God's called me to pastor here. I can't take every invitation. I, I, I can't be gone two Sundays out of every month. I'm not going to do that. God's called me to Solano County and to Yolo County. God's called me to Vacaville. God's called us to where I can't be gone. I know they need me. I know they want me and all this, but I can't. I can't. Matter of fact, we got a call. Um, they were pestering him. Thank you so much, by the way. They were blowing his phone up. We've got to have Pastor Wisdom come preach his youth conference. Can he come? And, and Brother Garza said, can you make it on this date? Nope. Can't make it on that day. Can you make it on this day? Nope. Can't make it on that day. Can you make it on this day? I can't say I can make it on that day. I got to do this and we've got this and hey I'm, we're still building a great revival church in these cities and I can't be going to within well, like four or five days I said I tell you what you tell them just plan the youth conference and if I can make it I'll be there but schedule me on a Friday night because I'm coming home Sunday 
So I said that to say, your yes gains a lot more power when you understand the value of your no. Brother Clifton is an entrepreneur. He's got his own business. He knows this. He can't take every job he walks on. His, number one, is stretch himself too thin. Number two, some of the jobs just ain't worth it. Can't do it. You know what that does? That makes his yes more valuable. Because when he says yes, he ain't got to sit there and negotiate for half an hour. Because if you're going to tell me no, I've got 14 other no's I've just gave that I can go pick up on. Some of y'all need to learn this spiritually. I had a young man uh, that, that I feel God has connected me with. I've mentioned to him before. And uh, he's, a, he's a trainer. He trains, he trains uh, three out of the top five uh, pitchers in Major League Baseball. And he trains three of the most, uh, three quarterbacks in the NFL. He, I, I don't know their names. I don't ask for them. Uh, he trains the top high school quarterback uh, prospects coming out uh, of America. He is a sports trainer, and he's very successful. And he's got a very successful real estate business. He lives in San Antonio, Texas. And we got connected on Twitter. It's a long story how it all happened. He just started messaging me. Hey, can, would you share your phone number with me? I need to, and I, I was, okay. I mean, he's got a big media channel and all this stuff that he does, quarterback stuff. And, and, uh, and he calls me and he, or texts me. He'll say, would you pray with me? I need prayer. My, my baby's sick. Would you pray for my child? And he called me on the phone and I get on the speakerphone and I start praying over his child over the phone. And then God touches his child. And, 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 and the next thing I know, he's calling me. Hey, could you pray for my wife? She's got a decision to make in her life. And then God's just opening these doors. Because see, I'm going somewhere with this. And he called me a few weeks ago when I was in Alabama. And, or he messaged me. He said, Pastor, can... Can I set up a time? I need to talk with you. I just need about 30 minutes of your time, but I really need to talk to you. I need wisdom. See, there's a difference between wisdom and knowledge. So he said the wisdom and the knowledge of God. Knowledge is you know how. Wisdom is when you start learning why. But you don't always get it when you want it. Oh, by the way, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God who giveth it liberally. Let the word picture in the Hebrew of that word liberally means it's like pouring a five-gallon bucket of water on a six-ounce cup. Over, if you want wisdom, he'll pour it all over you. But if you want to be dumb, he'll let you be dumb. I said this last night. People looked at me, and I don't think they believe me. There is a scripture that says, and I paraphrase, if you want to be stupid, he'll let you. It's in the Bible, folks. 1 Corinthians 14 and 38. Throw that up for me because some of y'all don't believe me. If, if, you're, if your mission in life is to be dumb, God would just say, well, there you go. 1 Corinthians 14, 38. I'll show you. But if you'll ask for wisdom, he'll give it to you. He'll give it to you. Now watch this because some of y'all, if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. See, y'all didn't even know that was in there. I'm going to teach you the word. So he says, I need 30 minutes every time. I said, look, I'm in Mobile, Alabama. I'm preaching. I said, but you know what? If I get 30 minutes, I said, you know what? Let's go ahead and do that, man. You, let's go ahead and put that down. He called me. I'm trying to com compress this story. And I, I know I went long, but we haven't had a midweek of this this year. I haven't really had a midweek to teach in a year or since last year. So, so he calls me. He FaceTimes me. 
and he's sitting there and he's at his desk and he's got his pen and his notepad, which makes me excited. And, and he starts telling me, and I'm not going to divulge everything, but he starts telling me, and, and none, of it's, none of it's truly personal, but, but it, it's business. Hey, my real estate business is taking off. But man, this business over here with this training, that's my heart, that's my passion. And it's blowing up. Now they're asking me to come in and there's two major universities in Southern California that are wanting me to train their quarterback prospects. Not only them, but there's uh, two NFL franchises that are wanting me to take on training their quarterbacks. I'm like, cool. And he says, I just, I need to know some things to do. I, I need to know, I need to know, I, 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 you know, I, and they've got a newborn son. And so I start talking about family time. It's so important to have family time. And I had told him something three months earlier that he told me. He said, when you told me that, it he said, it literally changed my life. And he said, when I started struggling with this, I told my wife. And he said, my wife told me, you need to call and talk to Pastor Wisner. Because <laughs> what I told him was this. He, he was, we were talking on the phone. He goes, I'm so stretched thin. I'm not even been able to get any sleep. I'm doing this. My business is going to, and I said, but I'm back. He said, but there's this opportunity. I don't know if I should take it or not. And I said, hey, listen, never make major decisions when you're tired. And so he took that advice. And if he would have went through it, if he would have went through with that deal, it would have cost him another deal that gained that that next deal, they gained 45% more in value in the so he gave us credibility. So we're talking on the phone. He starts to, I say, and I told him what I'm telling you right now, but I'm telling you in a spiritual sense. I said, Stephen, the value of your yes is backed by the power of your no. You've got to learn to say no to people. Because if you accept every little thing that comes your way, it's the little things that are going to weigh you down. And you're going to miss the life-changing opportunities that come up before you. Said, you got to learn that the power of your no will give value to your yes. I'm telling some of you that right now. You got to quit saying yes to every little thing that runs in front of you that you think is from God. You need to be able to discern is this from God? Is this the perfect, acceptable will of God? If it's not, I'm saying no. It's not because I don't love you. It's not because I don't like you. It's not because I don't want that. I just got to say no because I've got I've only got so many yeses I can give away. I've got to learn to say yes to the Lord. I've got to learn to say yes to the word. Anybody get a word tonight? I've got to learn to. To be able to say no to things that are going to keep me from God, what God wants me to be. See, God's, God's got a powerful level for you to walk in in the spirit this year. Matter of fact, some of you are standing at the threshold of great ministry for God to unfold in your life. And I'm not necessarily talking about pulpit. I'm talking about ministry. Affectional, effective, powerful direction of ministry for your life. To being able to reach people, make disciples, be used of God like you've never walked in anointings you could never dream of. But the only way you get that is by handing out a whole lot of notes. I can't go there. I'm not doing that. No, no, no. Yes. We used to sing an old song, I'll say yes, Lord, yes. To you. Matter of fact, let me see that. Let me see that. I'm gonna I'll let you take over in a minute. Y'all remember this old song? I don't know if they've ever played this. Is there not, there's no monitor. I'll say yes, 
Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. I'll say yes, Lord, yes. I will trust you and obey. Come on, sing it. When your spirit speaks to me, with my whole heart I'll agree. And my answer will be yes, Lord. Come on, stand and sing it if you know it. Yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. I'll say yes, Lord, yes, I will trust you and obey. When your spirit speaks to me, with my whole heart I'll agree. And my answer will be yes, Lord. Come on, sing it to him. Say yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. I'll say yes, Lord, yes, I will trust you and obey. And when your spirit speaks to me, with my whole heart I'll agree. And my answer will be yes, Lord, yes. Come on, one more time, lift your voice and say, I'll say yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. I'll say yes, Lord, yes, I will trust you and obey. When your spirit speaks to me, with my whole heart I'll agree. And my answer will be yes, Lord, yes. Lift your hands and give the Lord a yes. Come on, just lift your hands to the Lord and give him a yes right now. Yes to your will. Yes to your way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Oh, I want to walk in the will of God. I want to live in the will of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost tonight. In the name of Jesus. Maybe there's something... Maybe there's something you're struggling with right now. You're looking for direction. You're looking for decision, uh, making a decision in your life. I just want you for a couple of minutes, just step to this altar for a moment. And I want you to come up here with your hands raised, giving the Lord a yes. Whatever your will is, whatever your way is, you've been seeking for an answer. You've been seeking for direction. You've been seeking, Lord, I, I, I need you to speak. I, I need you to move. Something's coming up on you quickly. Amen. But I'm telling you, the Lord's going, the Lord will show you. Matter of fact, you probably already know the answer. And a lot of times we know the answer. We just won't accept it because we want a different answer. But I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost's already nudging you. He's already touching that area. He's already buzzing that area in your life. Amen. Amen. That's the Holy Ghost trying to direct you and lead you and guide you. Oh, come on. The will of God is not meant to be mysterious. The will of God is not meant to be mysterious. Oh, that's it. The will of God is not meant to be mysterious to the people of God. He wants you to know His will. He wants you to know His will.
Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you, and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website, and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.